0: school, what were you doing? Were you, were you just hanging out? Were you on the video games or were you busy creating a business that allowed you to make $75,000 before you could graduate? Let's talk about that today with our guest. Let's do it. What's happening, Robert Kennedy the Third here, RK3, that's me, and welcome back to another episode of the What's My Story podcast, the show where we talk about pivotal moments in people's lives that allowed them to navigate from here to, well, no, the other way, Nav- navigate from there to here. I mixed up my own stuff. <laughs> the show that where we talk about people and how they took situations in their lives and turned them into the success that they have now. I wanna point you to a couple of things. Number one, if you wanna get a little bit more visibility for yourself and for your small business, I want you to join me in the Storytellers Growth Lab. Head on over to Storytellers, boom, While I'm pointing over here, you can also text me, 410-936-4049. If you have thoughts, if you have guests that you wanna see on the show, or if you simply have ideas and you just wanna to talk to me, because I can talk to people head head on over to your phone and text me 410-936-4049 you can also support the show by going to rk3tv.live forward slash bmac. now we have phenomenal guests on our show and we usually have the the show on mondays at 1 30 p.m eastern standard time On Thursday at 7 a.m., what we do is we release the audio version of our podcast because we know that the stuff that you get on Monday is so good that you just got to hear it twice. It's so good that you've just got to hear it in a way that makes you able to digest it multiple times. And we also want you to be safe. We don't want you to be watching these videos while you're driving your car. So we released the audio version on Thursday so that you can listen to this goodness so you can grab these gold nuggets once more as you drive on your way to work, to school, or wherever it is. Now, let's bring in our guest for today. My guest today is Odell Bizell. His name even rhymes, people. He's a nationally known blogger, speaker, author, entrepreneur, and while he was in school, as I mentioned at the beginning, He started a small candy retail distribution center. He doesn't even call it a candy store. He calls it a candy retail distribution center. And this candy distribution center earned him over $75,000 while in high school. How many of you can say that you earned $75,000 in high school? Oh, MG. As a successful keynote speaker, he's been featured in USA Today, Yahoo, CNBC, and over 200 media outlets. He's partnered with many colleges, universities, youth organizations, and the military to reach tens of thousands of adults. He's presented on the same stages as Super Bowl-willing coaches, Stephen A. Smith, dave letterman oprah winfrey national politicians let me bring on to the what's my story podcast stage my dude my friend odell bizell what's happening my friend how you doing today
1: hey man i'm living the dream living the dream every day is a holiday but specifically today is a holiday (laughs) as we're recording this man excited to be here
0: yeah yeah well we we are recording this but we're also going live those people that feel like they don't want they don't have anything their barbecue ain't ready yet (laughs) so they're coming on to watch us hang out and chat today a little bit so you know what i started the show with this but let's talk about this thing first man the candy distribution center i mean as a student as a little kid i'm thinking about okay maybe i can get some snickers from this store and sell it for uh, uh i can mark it up just a couple of cents or something but you have you had a candy retail distribution center tell me a little bit about that idea how that got started and how did you make so much money at it man
1: well yeah so I guess it it all starts um, you know being younger uh, being you know seeing your parents uh, struggling in a lot of different ways Um, Mm -hmm. and I remember I wanted to I played basketball and my, my freshman year in high school, I made the varsity team and, yeah. you know, we had team shoes, but we had to buy them like our school didn't provide them for us. Like our parents had to buy them. I think they were like one hundred seventy five dollars or something like that. And yeah. I told my mom, I remember saying, Mom, I made the team. yay! Uh, I need money for the shoes. And she was like, how much are they?" I was one hundred seventy five dollars. And she was like, no, <laughs> like, I'm not. I'm not buying those shoes. Let's
0: not even sugarcoat it. Just, just sugar, right. No, just no. She was like, you know what I could do with
1: $175 boy? Like, and that was like, I guess the first time, cause I didn't grow up like rough. Like yeah. I never wonder where my meals were coming from or anything like that, but it's always like the little bit extra. Like we weren't able to have that. Right. right. So, It was just a a moment where I was like, okay, well, how can I get the shoes? Because I didn't want to be embarrassed. You know, I was already the only freshman on the team, so I didn't want to be the one with the Kmart specials, um, you know, trying to hoop. So I was just like, all right, what can I do? And there was a young lady in my Spanish class. She had Jolly Rancher suckers one day and she was just she had like a pile on her desk. She was eating them and I saw her giving them to other people. And she rode my bus and I was like, hey, you know, Berta, what's up? Let me hold one. And she was like, give me 25 cents. And I was like, really? Like what, it's me, like whatever. <laughs> and I gave her 25 cents, but then I saw other people giving her 25 cents and all the, the Jolly Rancher suckers on the desk went away. Right. And I was like, huh. said, so I wonder how much they cost. So mm-hmm. I went, I got a bag. With my lunch money And then I was like I wonder if I can do it And I started selling it like that And I didn't even get off the bus Like I I sold them Before I got off the bus So I was like Okay shoot Maybe I can Get the money For the shoes If I buy I think it was like If I bought 10 bags of candy And sold all the bags I could have enough Or something like that I can't remember exactly But I, I did it in a week And I had the money And so then it was like Dope, got the money. But then everybody else after that was like, oh, Dale you got any more suckers? Hey, oh, dear, you got any more suckers? And I was like, yo, I'm about to start making money <laughs> selling Jolly Ranger suckers. And then my best friend, Justin, he was like, oh, let me sell with you. And I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, I, I want to make all the money. But then right. he was like, I bet I could sell more than you. And I'm like, whatever. So I was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to split it 30, 70. And he was like, "Um, all right, but if I sell more than you, 60, 40. And so eventually we worked up to half and half, like 50, 50. And then we started selling more stuff and it just kind of grew. And it was at a point, um, Rob, where we were. My grandfather would take us to Sam's Club and we would buy like boxes of candy, like full candy bars and we would sell out like every week our worst weeks were the week of valentine's day and halloween because wow. everybody would get free candy anyway but we sold what the vending machines didn't have and we sold a greater variety for less and we were mobile and wow. so then when our when our siblings came to the high school they started selling and then like it just it turned into like a huge thing man we got shut oh, wow. down the see our senior year we got shut down and I, and I lied to you not, there is a law at Guilford County. You're not allowed to sell uh, candy um, because of us.
0: Wow, wow, <laughs> wow. So, I mean, so you just, this was, you you went and you got the stuff from Sam's Club or Walmart or whatever. So how, as kids, did you determine you know, what was what was worth buying or what, what was the type of candy that you needed to get? What was how, how did you make those decisions?
1: So what we did, we, we went slow and we got market research. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we, I was only selling Jolly Rancher suckers. Mm-hmm. Then I think we started selling like the, the mini like little candy bars for like a quarter, just a quarter. And then I had one of, you know, one of my regulars say, man, Odell, y'all should have Twix. Right. Y'all should have this. Y'all should have that. And then I was like, huh, I wonder, like, how that would work, how much that costs, all that stuff. And I've I've always been, like, a very literal, like, math-type person to mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, well, if I buy this box, I think, and this is going to date me. I think we could get a box of Twix for 1250, like 36 count 1250. And so I'm like, well, shoot, we sell this for, I think at the time it was like 50 cents. So you're gonna make $18 on a box of 1250. So I was like 50 cents. All right, that's not bad. So we're basically making 550 a box. Wow. Basically that's not bad. So then it was just kind of like playing with the numbers, seeing what made sense. And so we just listened. So people, the vending machine had original Skittles. They didn't have Wildberry, they didn't have Tropical. So it was like, well, we gonna sell Wildberry, we gonna sell Tropical. Then Skittles came out with Sour Skittles. And so it was like, we gonna sell Sour Skittles. Like all the stuff that the vending machines didn't do, we did it, and we, again, we were mobile. We even had teachers (laughs) in the middle of class (laughs) Like I, I still remember being in U.S. history, um, and we were doing our business. M and Ms back and forth. Miss Spielman, I still remember her. She she looked back, writing on the board. She looked back. She said, "Hey, Odell, Justin, save me some peanut M and Ms." And then she like started her <laughs> her lesson back. So wow. we just listened to the market, man, and we caught lightning in a bottle. Uh, Because we Mm -hmm. tried to do it in college. And and so just for the listeners uh, context, I went to high school from from ninety nine to two thousand three. So people were still carrying cash. People, you know, still had coins and all that stuff. When I went to college from oh three to two thousand seven, it was like the college I went to, they were shifting to like cashless.
0: And so you had to
1: have, you know, the only way you got stuff was through your um, student account. And so we tried to do it again in college because Justin and, and myself, we went to the same college and right. it just didn't work. It just didn't work. So we got lighting in the bottle, timing. Um, I was pretty popular in high school. My best friend, three time state champion in track. So we were pretty yeah. popular. Uh, so we didn't really figure that out. We thought we were just like those guys, and uh we anything that we put our minds to it would work. Uh, but yeah. we found yeah. out. That life ain't like that
0: <laughs> wow wow so i mean i think if I, for, for those of you that are listening right now i i hope you heard the, the the arc of that story and the trajectory of all of that 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 quick ramp up and then that falling off the cliff precipice where you thought that something that you did previously would work again so let me ask you this what were the lessons though that you learned because I'm listening to you and you're thinking different than most kids at this point. You're, you're literally doing the market research. You're doing the math. You're doing all of the different margins and all of that. These are literally lessons that your high school math teachers could have been teaching you. Uh, and maybe they did in some ways, right? But maybe not in as practical a way. So what were some of the lessons? What was one big lesson that you took away from, that experience in high school that you apply right now?
1: I would say that, um, and this is something that every entrepreneur, if you have not learned this, you -hmm. gotta learn it. People buy from people they like, Mm -hmm. that was the biggest lesson. And it was something that honestly, like me and, and Justin and myself, we're still friends to this day. He's he's like a brother to me. Like we've known each other forever. And we would always like, you know, jokingly, When we were younger, it's like, hey, if we're going to the mall, if we're going out to eat like we would always, you know, attract young ladies like, you know, not trying to be a certain way, but like we would always have people around us. And so people buy from people they like, like they wanted to buy from me Mm -hmm. because they liked me. And so learning that early really helped me in, in business. It helped me in life because it taught me to be likable, it taught me to uh, hone my communication skills, it taught me to listen to my market, it taught me all that stuff. So now in different business endeavors that I have now, it's it's pretty much the same stuff. It's like, all right, well, how how can I make a way in this space? What yeah. can I do different? And how can I make it so that people like me? And and I'll add this kind of addendum to, or this, this addition to that lesson, is that people buy from people that they like, that they can't really get full access to. Mm. So it's like, I was anybody that went to school with me, they feel like they know me. Right. But if you ask me how many friends I had in school, there was Justin, there was James, there was Mike free, and there was J rock. Yeah. Like those are yeah. my, like my boys still to this day, I'll text them and, and talk to them and call them. So I didn't have a whole lot of friends, but a lot of people feel like they know me. Oh yeah. You remember I used to buy this. So that taught me like <laughs> the biggest lesson is learn how to communicate and learn how to be likable.
0: Wow. So one of the things that I, I want to dig into here is you found this business idea in high school and so the entrepreneur in you came out. Currently you run your own business as a speaker, but in between that you went from your own business to college and then you went to work for somebody else. And that didn't necessarily turn out how you wanted. So let's talk about that and the lessons that you learned from that in just a moment. But before that, let's take a quick word from our sponsor. Whether you need web work done, or you just need graphic design, or you need live streaming help, or you just need to figure out how to get better on video online, then you wanna check out Composition. Composition LLC, go to yourcomposition.com. That's Composition with a K, yeah. And you know I like that. (laughs) All right, go check them out and let them get you, get your brand on point. So let's jump back into this story here with, with Odell. So Odell, man, you are, you, you you are, you're doing this business and then you go to college and you come out of college and instead of deciding that you're going to seek out a business idea, you go work for somebody else. Tell me a little bit about that decision. Man.
1: Uh, you know, Benjamin Franklin has a quote that a necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. And I, so I have another quote, um uh bills are a tool of necessity so like when you when you get older and you have all the dreams right i want to i want to be a millionaire before i graduated from college i wanted to you know do all these great things and then you know i think we were talking about in the in that pre-production as you get older time goes faster and so i go in my my freshman year of college you know i'm 18 still a teenager then by that junior year, it's like, I don't have any money. Like, <laughs> like I don't have any money. And I tried other business yeah. things, uh, got heavily involved in network marketing, got, um, you know, in a lot of different things. I actually bought a vending machine. Uh, I bought a bunch of vending machines, uh, but it just, I wasn't making money. And so I had to liquidate those and you know going into my junior year it was like yo i have to make money i met my wife at the time uh we got engaged and it's like i need <laughs> i need money cuz yeah i i can't i can't tell my my in-laws that yeah i got this big dream they're going to be like how are you going to yeah. pay these bills bro so yeah. um that's that's what it was like really um my wife uh the the goals that we had um i told my wife that she was a year uh, behind me. So I told her by the time she graduated, I'd have a house um, and I have everything established. The quickest way for me to do that was to get a job. And so yeah. I worked for the sheriff's department because mm-hmm. it was the easiest job to get. And Rob, I say this, like it was really the first time, like coming out of college where I realized that all the the stuff that we're taught yeah. as it relates to college Is 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 not really what it was because, you know, I came out in 2007. It was still the narrative was still go to college, do Mm -hmm. well, make connections and you'll you know, you'll have a job like and I graduated 2007, you know, the right before the Great Recession, if you will. And there were no jobs for a, a communication major from an engineering school. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't any job. so working at the sheriff's department was a blessing um, but I hated it. It, yeah. it was kind of like you know I was making thirty thousand a year with benefits um, and when you go to a bank and you're young, but you got a job working for the government, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, we get this kid. he's gonna be locked in the government job for 30 years. so sure, we'll give him a house. Sure, right. we'll give him a car type thing. So then it's kind of like you're you got a house and you got a car, got that payment. And then six months after that, student loans kind of creep in. So then it's like, what the (laughs) heck? And so not only did I not like the job, it was kind of like the the same life comes at you fast to where it's like, okay, we closed on the house in April of 2008. My wife graduated May of 2008 she's pregnant February, 2009. Right. <laughs> so all the dreams that I had were like, yeah, look you let's focus on being a family man, man. So I never lost the desire. Um, and yeah. I always was doing stuff and my wife has always been a thousand percent supportive, but there's a time where you got to pay rent, you got to pay bills and yeah. having a job was the way to do that. The quickest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you you're, you're starting to navigate through husbandhood, pending fatherhood, um, and you got this job, which you which which you don't like. What's the breaking point for you? What is the thing, the event that makes you say, man, let me use this language. I can't do this no more. <laughs> <laughs> what, it, what's the day that makes you say that? So
1: it was, it was actually kind of, um, I would say my wife being pregnant obviously was like for me. Oh snap. Like I, (laughs) like I have to provide and we were making it. Um, but we weren't doing well. And I was like, I don't want my kids to come up like I did. Yeah. in a space of lack, in a space of, no, nah, we can't do that. So then it was like, that's when like, you know, p- public speaking was kind of like on my radar to do, but then I like kind of figured out, okay, this is how I can do it. Maybe, right. This is right. how maybe I can do it. Um, But also I, I had my identity stolen. I had a lot of like bad financial things happen to me. I actually went bankrupt the year that my oldest daughter was born. And so for me, whenever I'm faced with obstacles and whenever things happen, just because, and I, as I'm, I'm recording this, I, my office is in my grandma's basement. My grandma's like the pillar of faith and all that stuff. And so she's always instilled it into me. Like, you know, your obstacles just make you stronger. You just, it's just, the way you have to look at them. And so, okay, I'm, I'm bankrupt at 24 and my wife just had our first daughter. I know that in order for me to get over this, I have to do something great. Like I have to do something big and just staying at this job is not going to do it. So I, so it's like, okay, what do I have to do? And in my mind it was like, okay, I need to write a book that is connected to some money like not just write a book. Oh, I want to tell my story because I actually wrote a book kind of telling my story about the candy and all that stuff right after college. But I was like, I need to write a book that's specific towards where I can make money in the speaking market. And that Mm -hmm. book was eight things my parents didn't tell me about money. And it was a financial literacy book because I I was going through a crisis. And, And so it was just that was the point where I said, okay, the way I put it out there and then people started buying the book, people started paying me to speak. It was like, yo, I could like really legit make this a career to whereas, and I saw speakers that were making, you know, $4,000 a speech and, you know, speak in 30, 40 places. And I'm just doing the math in my head a little bit. I'm like, okay, if I can get, I can get 10 people to hire me (laughs) at $3,000, man, that's basically what I'm making. Okay. I can do that. And so that was kind of like the first, well, let me average a speech a month and then let me sell this and let me do that. And so those things were the, I guess the combination of that. I can't do this anymore. So I wrote three books right. while I was at the sheriff's department working night wow. shift, working 12 hour shifts. I worked three books and they were all connected to uh grant money <laughs> And uh, and different things in the youth market where I was like, okay, I can sell that to this group. I can sell that to this group and I can, you know, uh, have a speech connected to it as well. Wow.
0: I I, I wish we had time because you're kind of sharing these gold nuggets, man. And. I know that a lot of people will want to know the how and how you're doing this, because you're just saying, I wrote these books and I wrote this book for that group and I could sell this for that group and I could sell it. And you're just talking about this stuff casually. Like, yeah, you know, I write a book and I sell it and that's it. (laughs) And I wish we had the time. So um, if people want to learn a little bit more about how you did this stuff, if they want to get into some of the step-by-step or if they want you to be able to show them your process, how do they get connected with you and how do you work with people?
1: Yeah. So the best way, um, that I work with people is, uh, mm-hmm. you can go to getbookedonmorestages.com, booked get That's just, um, kind of like a catch all. Um, cause I have different podcasts and depending on what you want to do, what you're interested in, uh, it's kind of like a catch all. And the reason why I call it get booked on more stages is because I believe our, our lives are only changed through events. And conversations. And so in order to have an event, maybe you're not a speaker at the event, maybe you attend the event, but whatever it is, you want to have fruitful conversations with the client, with uh, a colleague, with a contemporary, somebody that can, you know, say like, man, Robert, I love your setup with what's my story. How do you do that? we meet at an event then you can say oh all you got to do is boom 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 or you know I wrote um a book or I have a course on this all you got to do is buy that then I have that information but it was because of a conversation just like for those of you watching or listening to this this is an event like this is an event um and so you listening to this and maybe taking one or two things from this episode or previous episodes like that's going to trigger something in your mind to, to be activated. And so get booked on more stages is is not just if you're a speaker, but it's, if you want to make more money with the message, it's all around events and conversations. So that's what I would say is is the best way. And through those avenues, I teach people, um, small business owners too, like how you write a book for your clients, um, and how you use the book as a lead magnet, as a high level lead magnet to Mm -hmm. attract more business and hire clients and et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, that's what I would say.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So before we jump off of here, man, brag on yourself for just a moment, what's the most amazing thing that you have going on right now?
1: Oh man, I don't have a lot of time. I would say the most amazing thing that I have right now, um, is I'll just say I personally, um, my wife is in nursing school. And my kids are in school and everybody's taken care of by the activity and the revenue in my business. I think for me, that's like the biggest accomplishment. Um, Personally, business wise, um, we are uh, I have taken in more coaching clients this year than I have ever since I started. Uh, So just being able to do that and see their wins. And I know you can relate to this, like people that, you know, you yeah. met them and they were doing some things here or there, but now their business is multiple six figures. Um, yeah. Now the business is doing big things like to me, success begets success. And yeah. so when I see other people around me, like killing it, and a part of it is because of the information and accountability and my programs and different things. Uh, that's yeah. what I would say is the most amazing stuff.
0: Odell, it's been fantastic to have you on the show, man, and hear your story just really get to know you a little bit better and see where you came from and where you've ended up. So, well, not even ended up because the story, the story is ongoing here. And so it's been fantastic to hear your story and experience some of this with you. Hang out in the green room for a little bit and we're gonna wrap this thing up. I don't know about you, but I have been inspired. Not only did Odell have this story, not only did he have this mindset from early on, Even when things went south, even when he was not able to execute in the same way that he had become used to, he was resilient and he was able to push through some of the challenges in the moments where he had to wait, in the moments where he had to be in the sheriff's office, in the moments where things were not going in the direction that he imagined or his dreams imagined, he was able to push through and then when he reached his next milestone, When he reached his next place, he kept his eyes open so that the opportunities were able to be recognized by him so that he could recognize something that he could grab onto and use that as his next launch pad into his next level of success. My desire, my goal for you is to be able to do the same. Open your eyes, keep observing, keep watching, keep taking in the information from mentors, Not the information from TikTok, not the information from Instagram, but intentionally seek out mentors and people that can help guide you to hire. Intentionally seek out friends that can help guide you to hire. And that is going to be something that is going to have the most extreme impact on your story. Don't forget, y'all, everything that happens to you in life is your stuff. Your stuff is your story and your story deserves a stage. I'll see you all next Monday at 1:30 for the next episode of the, what's my story podcast, how I got from there to here. I'm Robert Kennedy. III. i I'll see you.